All right, let's, uh, let's pray together and ask God in to our hearts this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it teaches us what we need to hear. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are present in your word because as it speaks, you speak. And Lord, we're often unaware of that. So Lord, I ask that you would make us aware that you are speaking today through your word. And Lord, we ask that Jesus would become real to us as we hear it. Please help me to speak clearly and well in light of all these things. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're doing a series uh, going through the book of Genesis, first three chapters. When you think of Genesis, you think of foundations, foundations for life. The great thing about Genesis, and I hope you've noticed this over the past several weeks, is it's actually accessible for anyone. The, the stuff in here is uh, uh, topics and questions and themes that people today are asking, and yet this is a very ancient document tells us people don't change that much, doesn't it? And today we are looking at the subject of rest. Rest. And in fact, we've, we've sung and reflected on this a little bit already this morning. But today I want you to think of this message as good news for a weary soul. Good news for a weary soul. Because weariness is something that affects every human being. So there is a universal message here, and yet there is a particular and exclusive nature to that message that the good news comes through Jesus Christ. So let's have a look in. Now, uh, I'm a bit of a fan of the uh, books by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings. And in the book The Hobbit, you find a um, sort of middle aged, uh, short, a human-like creature called a hobbit, called Bilbo Baggins, and he's filled with energy and vigour, goes off, fights a few dragons, has an amazing uh, life story to tell to his friends back home, who nobody believes, actually. He comes back home, and then by the time you get to the Lord of the Rings, he's an old man. He's a weary old man. As he's speaking to his friend, the wizard, Gandalf, he says this, I feel like I need a holiday a very long holiday, as I've told you before. Why, I feel thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something. Bilbo had picked up on something which a few of us pick up on in life. There's a deeper weariness that comes upon us that isn't exactly related to our tiredness or how much sleep we got last night or our season of life. There's a sort of weariness of soul that we don't necessarily have the answers for. Bilbo had lived an unusually long life because of the ring of power that he was carrying, but its weight was beginning to crush his soul. Some of us feel like that, but all of us will experience that. That unique perspective doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen from time to time that we are weary of soul and we need something. We need a change. We need something from the outside or someone from the outside to come on in and to help us out with this because it doesn't feel 
right as Bilbo picks up. We need a deeper kind of rest. And the good news is God has that for us. So firstly, let's have a look at the rest being God's design. Now, there's in, in our text, there's three mindset shifts I want to do with you as we think about rest being God's design. The first mindset shift is this, that when rest happens, when everything is in its proper place, rest does not happen as an afterthought. So have a look in our text, will you? Uh, chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Notice the pattern. All the work is complete. Everything is in its proper place. We know that just before in Genesis chapter 1, it's talking about the creation of the world, the cosmos, everything in it. Everything is set up in its proper place. It's in harmony, the relationship between humanity with God and creation. It's all set right. And then what does God do? He rests. So our mindset shift is that we often think about rest as an afterthought. But God says when everything is in its proper place, then rest comes. When things are in harmony, then rest comes. Now, there's three aspects uh, to rest as we think of it uh, biblically. The first is the, uh, a past perspective for us. So as we look back, we recall that God has put rest into the, the architecture of time. He has, we have seven days, six days for work, one day for rest. We're supposed to rest every week. God has designed human beings that we need to sleep every day to function. Isn't it interesting? It's literally in our biological design and not only us, but the whole animal kingdom needs to rest. We have a day-night cycle where most living, breathing things rest at night. Not all though, but we need Rest. Everybody needs it. God made it and he has designed everything to be so. We don't perhaps think about these obvious things very often, but there it is. So that's the past perspective. The current perspective for us is that human beings need rest regularly and consistently. Yes, we do need a day off. We need a day when we lay our regular work aside and rest. We need to uh, acknowledge God's architecture in the world, that we need probably seven or eight hours sleep every night and get that sleep in accordance with our design. So there's a past, there's a current, but there's also a future aspect according to the Bible. There is a sense of restlessness that we all have. Bilbo Baggins picked up on it. You and I feel it because things aren't right. I might still be getting my eight hours, yet I'm anxious. So I don't feel rested. As I progress and get older and life changes and I have health issues and chronic things come upon me and various people around me's lives are changing, I feel like I still don't have rest for my soul and so I'm looking forward to hope that in the end things will get better. And a Christian perspective is that they will. There is a great rest coming when harmony is brought back, when our relationship between God and creation 
is all set right again and will never be interrupted by sin ever. That is called the future rest. Now, there is a level of restlessness which is actually good for us. I've just finished reading a biography by uh, Tim and Kathy Keller. Uh, so about Tim and Kathy Keller, who's um, a well-known uh, pastor from the United States. And it reflects that they were talking about um, the need, they felt the need in their ministry, ministry to create heaven. That is, create a life where everything works really well. But there's such pressure to do that, isn't there? Like if you want your life to be amazing all of the time, then there is an enormous amount of pressure, enormous amount of work that you need to be doing constantly. And what they realized was they were in an incessant state of restlessness. They felt it. They felt there's always something more to be done. What they realized is they weren't letting heaven be heaven. Because when heaven is heaven in our hearts, we look forward to that state of rest. And that means we can put the tools down at the end of the day. That means we can let go of trying to make everything in this life perfect because we know that the perfect is coming. So our mindset shift is that when everything, as we rest when everything is in its proper place. Now we can do that temporarily by instituting things like a weekly day off, like getting our sleep every night, like putting aside anxiety and putting in its place trust in God. But ultimately, we must look forward to a future rest for our souls. That's the first mindset shift. The second mindset shift from our text is this. Rest is holy, not indistinct. Rest is holy, not indistinct. Now, the word holy, H-O-L-Y, in the Bible actually means set apart. It means distinct, separate, unique. God is described as holy. He's different to us. He's categorically different because he's the creator. He's not created. So he's different to everything else. And everyone else, God is holy. But what does he say about the seventh day? What does he say? Verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Why is it different to every other day? Because every other day, six days, you work. On the seventh day, you rest. It is set apart. It is a day where God's people are to stop. They're to set work aside. The fourth commandment uh, puts it like this in Exodus chapter 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Set apart. Notice that everyone in Israel was supposed to rest, like mum and dad, the kids, the livestock, the household help, the sojourner, that is the foreigners. Everything stops. You do not Work on the Sabbath. Why? Because God made it holy. Now, our mindset shift here is that we need to look at rest as architects, not as slaves. Let me explain. 
when it, a slave rests when they're told to. A slave rests only if it comes up. But if there's more work to do, guess what? No rest. An architect, however, designs things in such a way that they take rests at its proper time. An architect designs things in such a way that they are to rest at specific times. This has three particular implications for you and I today. Firstly, this means self-limitation. If we are to be architects like God in our own lives, because we have responsibility, God-given as human beings, we are to uh, have self-limitation when it comes to rest. That is, we put the tools down. We stop working every day at a certain time. We say, no more. You know, whether that's your nine to five and you actually turn off the emails in the evening. You don't take your phone into your bedroom. You don't go back on the computer after dinner to do more work. Now, that's not always practical, but, as, but it needs to be the rule, whilst we acknowledge there are exceptions, it needs to be the rule that we must limit work in order to have rest. It must be architected into our lives. That's true daily. That's, of course, true weekly. That means putting the tools down at least one day a week. In Australia, typically, we're supposed to have two days of rest, right? Two days, a Saturday and a Sunday, a weekend. That's not true in every other place in the world, and it's certainly not true over history. But one of the reasons we've done this is we recognise that the pace of life is that much quicker. However, in today's modern era, you will find work creeping into every day of the week. I'll just check that email. I'll just reply to that text. I'll just go and look at this. And the things that we use as tools, like our devices, we become enslaved to. Why? Because we don't, they don't allow us to rest. You are supposed to be the architect of your time under God. You are not to be a slave. Of course, we also incorporate yearly rhythms. We ought also incorporate rhythms every seven years or so. That's why uh, in Australia you can take a long service leave after about seven years or ten, depending on your workplace. I encourage you, do that. Take it. Our bodies need rest. The example of the nation of Israel and how God gave them a law to take regular seasons of rest is good for us and helps us function at our best. So we need self-limitation. We need discipline, that is, to maintain those limits. And we also need planning. That is, this won't just happen by itself. Architects don't just throw out a blank piece of paper and expect a building to be built. No, they take time to design, build it, to, uh, put, um, put energy and effort into making sure everything is done according to code. Likewise, for you and I, architecture takes time and effort, but the rewards will be great. So mindset shift one, that we rest when everything is in its proper place, but we also must look to a future time when everything will be fully in its proper place. And mindset shift two is that rest is holy, not indistinct. We must think of ourselves as architects, not as slaves. The third mindset shift is true rest is blessed by God and is not something that we earn. Again, verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it 
God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Have you ever had this experience? I know I have, that when I used to uh, work in uh, landscape construction, sometimes I'd have a really long day at work. I'd go to bed and I'd dream I was working the whole time. Never have a good sleep when that happens, do you? You just you feel like physically tired, like you've worked all night, even though it was in my, in my imagination that I was working, just you know, shifting mulch or digging holes or just ridiculous stuff. No one wants to sleep like that. But it does happen. It shows that even when we get sleep, it doesn't necessarily rejuvenate us. But I want to read you something from Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for it gives gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. True rest is a gift from God. You have to receive it. You don't just get it through sleeping more, though that helps. You don't just get it through having better order in your life or having at least a day off a week where you actually really rest and you don't labor. True rest is a gift from God, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Uh, Neuroscientist uh, Matthew Walker, in his book, Why We Sleep, says this. Amazing breakthrough. Scientists have discovered a revolutionary new treatment that makes you live longer. It enhances your memory and makes you more creative. It makes you look more attractive. It keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wards off colds and the flu. It lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke, not to mention diabetes. You'll feel happier, less depressed, and less anxious. Are you interested? What's he talking about? Sleep. Sleep. Isn't it interesting? With all our advances with all our technology, with all our medical breakthroughs, one of the things that we need the most is sleep. Surely that points us to there is a deeper reality behind this. There is a rest that we really need underneath it all. Okay, so rest is God's design. We need mindset shifts. Secondly, restlessness, which is the opposite of rest, Restlessness is crushing. Uh, many, many of you will know the boss or Bruce Springsteen. Some of you may know his manager, John Landau, who was hassling him uh, in, as he was building up to releasing the album Born in the USA. Uh, Springsteen had written about 70 songs in his preparation for this album over a couple of years, but uh, John Landau knew the truth that it wasn't enough. He needed a single. He needed a single that was going to really make this album sing to the world. And so he laid it on Bruce Springsteen heavy. You need one more. Look, Bruce said. He snarled. I've written 70 songs. You want another one? You write it. You see in this example The wrestle with work, the wrestle with work, it can be crushing because even if you give your everything to it, it's never enough. 
It seems that restlessness can consume the soul. It can overtake us. It is crushing restlessness because it is the inverse of rest. Rest is ordered. Restlessness is disordered. Rather than having everything in its proper place, it's when our lives are chaotic. Nothing is ever finished in our minds. Restlessness is the root cause of anxiety. Anxiety is a sense that nothing is ever finished. It is truly a disorder. Restlessness is crushing because it is indistinct rather than holy. We work all the time or we are in a state of laziness. And so, in fact, we don't need to rest. We need to work. But there's no distinctness. There's no distinctness between rest and work. It's just all rest. We have removed the holiness, the set-apartness that we are supposed to have when it comes to rest. Restlessness is crushing because it, it feels like a curse. Many of us feel constantly burdened, weary, both in body and in soul. Oftentimes when we let this go in our lives, we, we use up all the adrenaline in our system and we get what's called clinical burnout. Our bodies just stop. We stop working because we've been pushing ourselves so hard in a state of perpetual restlessness. Some of us feel the same effects of burnout because of our laziness. We're not working as we ought to. Sadly, this crushing restlessness will actually follow us into the grave. The Bible is very clear and truth-telling about what happens when we die. It says, if you are in a state of rest in your relationship with God, then you will continue in that state after death. You will be with God in a state of rest. If you are in a state of restlessness in life, in your relationship to God, then you will continue in that state of restlessness even in death. It will perpetually go on forever. God honours our choices. So restlessness is crushing. Now, there's two secondary causes and uh, one primary cause. The sec one secondary cause is this. It's laziness. It seems odd, doesn't it? If you rest too much, you become lazy. If, if rest overtakes your life, it actually becomes crushing. Although it actually makes sense. Sleep scientists tell us if you sleep too much, it's not good for you. If you rest too much, it's not good for you. Rest only comes after work, not with the absence of work. Now, I've actually spoken in detail about what work is a few weeks ago. If you want to look at that, please look it up online. That uh, talk is available for you to listen to. But when it comes to actual restlessness, laziness can actually be a root secondary cause. The other secondary cause comes from overwork. Uh, Jack Ma, who some of us may have heard of, um, the founder of Alibaba, one of the largest um, sort of trading companies out of China, but in the world, is famous for creating what's called the 996. That is 9 a.m. till 9 p.m., six days a week. That's 72 hours in a week. This is what he says about it. I personally think that the 996 is a huge blessing. How do you achieve the success you want without paying extra effort and time? Now, of course, uh, Alibaba and uh, in that sort of work uh, 
environment in China has actually one of the highest burnout rates in the world. So the blessing that Jack Ma says is success, but at what cost? So I've talked about two uh, secondary causes for the restlessness in the world, but there is a primary cause. There's things that drive overwork or laziness. And the, and the thing that drives laziness is comfort. We'll take comfort wherever we can get it. The thing that, things that drive overwork are status and security. I'll be better than the next person. I'll feel better about myself the higher I climb up in my career. Or I need more money to accumulate security for myself. These are what drive it underneath. These things become idols. That is, we serve them and become slaves to them. We become slaves to laziness and our sense of comfort. We become slaves to our sense of security or our sense of status. I must have this. And so you end up living your whole life with these things ruling over you and they are never satisfied. We work for them. We work for comfort. We work for status. We work for security. Don't you see? We're always working. It's restless. It never ends. You just work hard your whole life and then you use all that money at the end to avoid working. Seems crazy, doesn't it? These deeper drivers are there because we aren't getting these things firstly from God. Comfort, status, security. Who has these in abundance and offers them freely? God does. Ultimately, the primary cause of restlessness is because God is not in his proper place in our lives. To uh, cap off his album, Bruce Springsteen was hassled by his manager, John Landau, to produce a single. This single, Dancing in the Dark, was the spark that changed everything for Born in the USA. Bruce saw that he needed a spark to start the fire. Ironically, it came by facing up to the fact that he needed something other than himself. He needed a friend to speak the truth in love to him. He needed a single to make that album sing to the world. All his work, his outpouring of 70 songs wasn't enough. The boss was mastered. Even the boss, it turns out, had a boss. This is what he says. That particular night, after his manager had spoken to him, I came home and sat on the edge of my bed. And the thing I remember thinking first was that we had a record, but it wasn't necessarily finished. I could change the whole thing right now if I wanted to. You can feel the anxiety in his mind, can't you? That's all I remember thinking. If I wanted to, I could do something right now that would change the whole thing. Although he was initially furious by Landau's assessment of his songs, Springsteen soon managed to calm down and take the criticism on board. Later that evening, he retreated to his hotel room and somehow managed to mime dancing in the dark from a corner of his mind. Landau's forthright approach wasn't what Springsteen wanted to hear at the time, but it's what he needed. A spark came to Bruce Springsteen in the night when he was in a state of restlessness. Work had overtaken him. It had consumed him and someone from the outside spoken to his life and said, you need something new. 
Don't you think that's what we need to our restlessness? We need someone like Bruce Springsteen's manager. We need our John Landau to speak into our lives that we need something different and, oddly, to take the criticism on board and go, perhaps we do. So yes, rest is God's design, but we do need some mindset shifts to put that into place. And yes, restlessness is crushing, but true rest, true rest for your soul where your burdens are taken off and you feel like things are set right in your heart, even if externally things are hard, even if you don't get that much sleep at night, even if you've got chronic pain, even if you've retired and you're wondering, well, how do I work? You're wondering, how do I give my best? Even if you're young and you're still working out what these things look like for the future, you can know in your soul that you have rest with God because when you get that one right, it sorts out all the other parts of your life. When your relationship to God is rightly ordered, He begins to rightly order your life. A 17th century Puritan called John Flavel in his book, The Mystery of Provident, wrote this. The word of God is the only support and relief to a gracious soul in the dark day of affliction. That for this very purpose it was written. No rules of moral prudence, no sensual remedies can perform that for us which the word can do. And this is not a sealed truth. And is this not a sealed truth attested by a thousand undeniable experiences? Hence have the saints fetched their cordials when fainting under the rod. He further writes, One word of God can do more than 10,000 words of men to relieve a distressed soul. What's he reflecting on? He's saying there's something in God's word that gets into here. There's something in God's word that one word from him can do more than 10,000 words from ordinary people. There's something in God's word which thousands upon thousands of people have had experiences of that has given them rest for the soul. True rest comes from an interaction with God's word. Mark uh, 2 and verse 27, Jesus reflects on how true rest works. And he says, and he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. By the time we get to uh, Jesus' day, about 2,000 years ago, uh, Israel had had the Sabbath written into law. They'd been living it out for thousands of years, or at least trying to. They'd failed many times, and they'd reaped the consequences of that failure many times as well. But by Jesus' day, they'd become overbearing with the Sabbath. They'd written in more rules than it was prescribed for. They'd made it so we were slaves to the Sabbath rather than the Sabbath being made for man as a gift. But Jesus includes something very important in there. He says, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And here's the point. Jesus puts the Sabbath in its proper place as its Lord. Jesus is the one that we need to put rest in its proper place in our lives. He's saying 
He is the spark to start the fire. He's saying, he's the something that Bilbo Baggins is looking for. He's saying that he is the one who will give us true rest for the soul. He is the boss that we need in our lives. The word Lord actually means boss. So how does he do it? Well, John 5.17 tells us this. As Jesus was, again, debating about the Sabbath, this happened a lot. It was a big time on the mind of people in the first century. Talking about the Sabbath, it says, But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Now, this is really important. This is sort of a throwaway line. We often don't think much about it, but this is really important for us to grasp. On the seventh day, God rested. And it doesn't follow the usual pattern of uh, Genesis when it says there was morning and there was evening the next day. No, the seventh day is in perpetuity for God. God is in a constant state of rest. I mean, think, he spoke the world into existence with his words, right? God is in a constant state of rest. And also, Jesus says that God is always working. How can he be doing both? How can he be doing both? How can he be working and resting all the time? Well, firstly, he's God. He is quite different to us. But secondly, everything is in harmony in him. Work does not crush him. He does not become restless. He has everything set right. What is Jesus saying here? I've got it. I've got what you're looking for. You're restless. I know how to keep work in its proper place. You want to work, have a right relationship to work and a right relationship to rest? You want to have a right relationship so that you're not lazy, you're not overworking, you're not consumed in your life? Come to him who has it right. He's always working from a state of rest. Jesus' example is that he is in perfect harmony. Now Jesus was working. And Jesus was building up to a great work that he would do. His great work was to take the soul-crushing weight of our restlessness on his shoulders. We took part in Jesus' great work this morning in communion. That was his great work, that he would receive restlessness upon himself. He will receive our sins of overwork. It's a sin, by the way, to overwork. They used to call it Sabbath-breaking in, the, in uh, days gone by. He received that on himself. He received laziness or the sin of sloth, they used to call it in days gone by, upon himself to give us rest for the soul. Jesus took it on himself. In Luke 23, 56, it tells us where the great rest started. It says, after Jesus had been put to death on the cross, he'd entered the tomb. It says this, Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments, on the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. Jesus put restlessness to death in the tomb. He took it on himself. He received every anxious toil upon himself and everything that has resulted for it on himself. This means that Jesus has the unique ability to do two things simultaneously. He takes your restlessness upon himself. He receives it, bears your burden on the cross, your deep sense of restlessness in your heart, which leans to comfort 
or it leans to security and status through overwork. Your disordered life is just symptoms of a disordered relationship with God. That is our sin. Jesus says, I'll take it. I'll receive it all on myself. He'll pay its full price. And in the same stroke as he receives it, he gives freely his soul rest to us. His relationship with God the Father, where all things are in harmony, he gives it freely to us. This is how Jesus puts it in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice here that only if you are burdened and weary does Jesus invite you. Only if you are burdened and weary does Jesus invite you. The precondition for you to receive rest for your soul is that you would bring your burden to Jesus. You have to acknowledge there is a problem inside of you. And it's not that you haven't had enough sleep. It's not that you're getting old. It's not just that you've got a chaotic life at the moment. It's not that, you know, you've got a chronic illness. It's not every other secondary cause that we might have. The ultimate reason for a restless soul is that we don't have Jesus in his proper place. And Christian, you need this as much as anyone. Jesus gives the invitation to all, only to those who will recognize that they are weary and need him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So when we are weary, deeply weary, there is good news for your soul. Let me speak to your soul for a minute. To your soul I say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At the end of The Lord of the Rings, uh, Bilbo's son, Frodo, had taken on the mantle from his father. He'd taken the ring of power and its crushing weight of restlessness and he'd taken into the mountain of doom and destroyed it. As he was hiking back to his home country in the Shire, he started to feel like there wasn't rest there for him. He needed somewhere else. He needed somewhere further away. He needed somewhere that only he could be taken to. As he spoke to Gandalf, just like his father had spoken to Gandalf at the beginning of the books, he says, I'm wounded with the knife, sting and tooth, and a long burden. Where shall I find rest? Many of us will get weary. All of us will experience what Frodo experienced. Life takes its toll. We get to the end and we wonder where will I find rest? The answer is in Jesus. There's only one who can give rest to the soul and that's the one who won it for us 
on the cross. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the, the rest that you grant to us by faith. Lord, I ask you to help us to take hold of that this morning. Wherever we're at, in our weariness, that we would bring that to you and that you would reorder our lives according to the pattern in the Bible. That you would help us to take our Sabbaths. That you would help us to put down our work. That you would help us to put you as Lord of our rest and our lives. Lord Jesus, we can't do this alone. And so we need you. We ask you to speak to our souls this morning as we've heard your word. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.